as you sit and want to turn one more time to Galatians, which is what we're finishing today. You know, it's the first time we've really done this as a church. We normally go through a book of the Bible at a time, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and then we go on to the next one. But what we're doing today then is a little unique. We're doing an overview, a recap of the entire message of Galatians, Paul's letter. Because because you know what? There's a main point to Galatians. And sometimes as you start getting into the weeds and you start getting into little tiny verses, you get into all these You've heard probably you've missed the forest for the trees. But also, uh, my favorite is squirrel. That's when you get a dog in there. So, squirrel, oh, I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about this, and what about this over here? And you can, if you're not careful, miss that Paul has a single message in the book of Galatians. That's pretty remarkable. He's not handling a bunch of things. He has an emphasis that the Holy Spirit has preserved for us in Galatians. And, and it's, it's particularly important when the message of Galatians is hugely important for your Christian life. It's not just head knowledge, oh, I filed that away, that's pretty neat, how angels work or something like that. This is about how you're going to live while you're on earth. Daily Christian living. So the point he's making changes our perspective for every single day. How I handle problems and, 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 and circumstances that come along and those sorts of things. And if you miss it, if you miss this message of Galatians, you're still saved by trust in Jesus. You get that? You know, people believe a whole bunch of different things that are contradictory. But there's truth that can help your life as you live. And that's what we're hitting today. That pray, I pray the Holy Spirit would allow you to hear, to trust, to take in the wonder of what we get to talk about today. Just a few minutes of it. The connection to the gospel. So this is what we're doing. We're taking a step back and we're walking through the letter. And we're not reading every word, but, but, but giving you his whole argument because this letter was meant to be done in a sitting. It was meant to be. That's how they did it. Hey, I've got a letter from Paul. Let me read it. And then say, well, read verse 1, and then we'll come back next week and read verse 2. No, they read the letter. And particularly here, we we don't need to decode it with a spy ring, study Greek upside down, to get the message that Paul is giving us. It's fabulous. The truth of Jesus Christ for us applied to life on earth in every moment that we live. How is it going to go? So what I want to do, there's there's three points to this. It's the message. But the first two are pretty short because it's Paul getting to the third. So we won't spend too much time on it. Before the third, we'll spend some time there. Our apostle, our faith, our freedom. So first, our apostle. Because Paul spends, after a brief hello, I'm Paul, to you guys, he jumps right into his concern. And his concern is they are turning to a different gospel, a different good news than he taught them. Super concerning to him. The gospel is not just a a moment in time. Like, you know what the gospel for many people is? The day I put my faith in Jesus, I prayed this prayer, you know. And Paul's like, no, no. It is for your life. Because he was their dad. 
he was the founder of this church and the churches in the area and he preached to them first and in order to make his point he spends time in the letter like almost two chapters worth making sure you know listen to me says paul not to anybody else boy that's so important there's so many voices in your life there's so many celebrity people you can listen to so many books you can read so many many authorities and paul says wait a minute i've got the authority listen to me and that's what he does right a thousand people you could listen to, but you need to listen to me more appropriate even today than then. There are so many voices. And he says he received his message directly from God for a certain kind of people. I didn't receive it from any man, he said, nor was I taught it. I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus talked with me. Let's talk about the road to Damascus where he met with Jesus. This is our guy. Jesus met with him directly. He gave him this incredible good news. He detailed how, how he went to Jerusalem, not to learn from the apostle, like, oh, I'm going to go learn from Peter. No, he went with the message he got from Jesus to confirm that they agreed that he had the truth. We went through all this, but he spends time in Galatians making sure you know, listen to me. He's setting us up because you know what? His message is so radical. You're going to want to say, wait a minute, I need to temper this with other people's views. But he says this, right? On the contrary, when they, that's the leadership there in Jerusalem, that's James and Peter and John, when they see that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, that's Gentiles, that's you and me. Just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, said they affirmed me. They said, awesome paul you see is our apostle he received the message that is in this bible specifically for the church the current age and representation of the community of god we listen to him he is our apostle from god and there's not a higher authority not peter not a pope not someone who says they're a modern day apostle this man he is from god for us that's first our apostle check Okay, hope you're with me. That's all. He just wants to establish. When, I, when I'm talking about this stuff, I'm the man. Okay. The next thing we, he goes into is our faith. So if you say, yeah, I get that Paul, when he speaks and when he writes this stuff, he is speaking with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and he's speaking to us and he's our guy and I want to listen to this message. Then his next piece is what do we know? Because there's this critical little section at the end of chapter 2. And if you're following along, and you can page through this letter if you want to. The end of chapter 2, this amazing little section where he, he, he lays out and pushes home what we already agree on. Here's what we agree on. I hope you're with me. And if you're here with us, you've got to agree on this. We are saved by faith alone. The big, the big like, sort of like theological word is justification by faith. Dude, everybody agrees. If you're an evangelical Christian, and even if you're not evangelical, but you're in sort of the Protestant camp, everybody's like, no, we're justified by faith alone, not by works. It's not our work that justifies us, that makes us righteous, that, that, that gets us to, to be in relationship with God. It is Jesus, trusting Jesus. I say, well, that's the message of Galatians. No, it's not. That's what we all agree on, says Paul. Look what he says. Yet we know, all of us, the people that I'm mad at, 
Me, you, all of us who are Christians, we believe this. A person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. He's not saying something out there and crazy. He's saying, we all know this. Can't we all agree? And indeed we do. This is the foundation of what it means to be a Christian, this salvation by faith in Jesus. We all agree this is our faith. Justification is a critical, huge point, and it's, importantly, already agreed upon in this letter. If you want to argue about that, you've got to go to other places. There's, there's Romans, there's other places to go. But honestly, the testimony over and over and over is this is the truth, and we're all there. And Jewish believers believe this. Gentile believers believe this. Everything stands or falls on this critical point. Believing in Jesus, our righteousness by faith, not works. It's amazing. It's true. We get righteousness given. We get forgiveness. We get cleansed and clothed and adopted. United to Jesus. Simply by faith. Not by works. So, you'd think this would be the message. And so, I I, I hope at least that you realize... This is not his message in Galatians. He's building on this message. He comes to this and says, we all believe this, you see. We all are here. The question is, where do you go from here? Where do you go from here? So we listen to our apostle. We agree on our faith being our ground. And so he moves. And at the end of chapter 2, He moves into his message. The message he wants you to take away. It's how do we live now? How do we maintain relationship with God while we are breathing on this earth? How should should our lives be ordered? What, What are we trying to do here? I mean, could anything be more practical for us? We all agree on justification. So now what? And his now what? The central tenet. Is about our freedom. This is shocking. I want to make sure you see it. His message had a, n- a negative part and a positive part. Okay, so walk with me just, just right there at the end of chapter 2. He says, For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The famous verses, many of us know them. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live. He's going to talk about, okay, I want to live out this faith. The negative part is that you've died to the law. That's sort of a negative statement. You're not under the law anymore. No. And the yes statement is that you're in Christ. Christ lives in me. I live by faith in Jesus. And so I've already justified. Now I consider myself dead to the law and alive by faith. And the message is going to be live by trust. That's so squishy, Dax. Yeah, it's like he knows he's saying something remarkable, but it needs fleshing out. So he does flesh it out. That's chapter 3 and chapter 4. In chapter 3, right, he, he, he runs through this super strong case that you're cursed if you try and live by the law because it's not of faith. I can look and see if you're doing the law. 
We could have little markers. We could make little lists. We could check little boxes. We wouldn't need faith. It's not by faith to live by the law, he says. So he makes this statement and then this absolutely ironic in chapter 4 that those who live by the law are actually not of Abraham, of the child of the free woman like Isaac. Oh no, they're of Ishmael, child of the slave woman. Radical stuff and would turn off immediately any Jewish person of the line of Abraham who's keeping the law and thinking they're doing well with God. No, says Paul. See, what happens is we want to shift the message back to what we already know. Oh, he's talking about justification by faith, Dex. No, he's not. He's talking about living by our faith and how it is not living by the law. It is shocking. And then he comes in chapter 5 and 6 to the heart of what he's actually saying, and he goes for you and me as Christians to this critical thing. You've heard it. You've been around. But it's this, chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now we see that verse and you maybe even read that verse and you've heard different people trying to interpret that verse and they, they want to say, well, you know, what it is is that you're, um, you're now free not to sin where you were kind of in, bound to sin before. Now you're free to choose good things. Or, no, no, that is, that is taken entirely out of context of what Paul's saying. Love the thought there. I wish I could never sin again, but that is not what he's saying. In fact, let me give you the New Living Translation which puts in the context and this is a good gloss. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free. Don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. That's what he's talking about. The slavery is slavery to the law. This is a big deal. You can't get around it. You can't explain it away. I know people explain it. Well, you know, yeah, he's talking about the law. Nobody disagrees in context that that's what he's talking about. But he doesn't actually mean the law. He means the penalty of the law. He's just leaving out the word penalty. No, actually. He says law. The law as a means of keeping a relationship with God. Like Jesus is awesome, and that's great. And now the things that I do, I'm going to say trust and obey. And obedience is to the law. I'm going to put both of them together and say now I trust, and now I'm going to do. And the doing is going to be the law. And Paul's message is that you cannot do it. In fact, don't do it. Freedom is freedom from slavery to the law because living by trusting Jesus is trusting that he sends his spirit and his spirit does what he wants. Oh, the product is good. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, all made by God as he wants and when he wants. But, but if you try and go back and do the law, he says, and the goal of bettering yourself, it leads to horrible sin. He lists them out. It's pretty negative and bad. It's because the law is for our flesh. Our sense of self, our self-orientation, our self-improvement, our righteousness and self-achievement are it's a tutor to bring us to Christ to limit our flesh. It's good for society, for living in the world. It's how the world functions, but it is of no value in Christ. I'm not saying that. Paul is. Paul, Paul doesn't let us, this is what I want to do, pa- Paul doesn't let us chart a middle ground. I'm a balancer. I want everybody to be happy. Let's just go in the middle. 
and he explicitly says there's not a middle. Like, I want, well, what's the middle? What would the middle be? Well, the middle would be this. The middle would be, I will use the Spirit to make myself better for the glory of God. That sounds good. I get to work on and do the law, but I also get to recognize and give all glory to God for it. And I get to be in the middle here where I'm actually working on doing good things and, and being a good person and, and, and making sure I do the law. And at the same time, I'm, I'm giving credit to God. So he says stuff like this. The desires of the flesh, that's your self-righteousness and your passion that way, is against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Paul's like, no, you actually can't. The things you want to do, which is buff yourself up using the power of the Spirit like a cord, the power cord you can plug into, says that actually they're opposed to each other. It doesn't work like that. There's no middle. Either you're trusting and the Spirit's working, or you're living by the law. <laughs> wow. God does what he wants. The spirit is life in Christ alone. The flesh is about us and and our thought that God's going to help us be a better us. Like somehow that's his goal. And so Paul grabs the pen at the end. Remember we did this last week. He grabs the pen and he writes in large letters. He says, you know, all this law stuff that you're trying to do is a dead end. It just doesn't matter. And the circumcision, the non-circumcision, it doesn't matter, any of it. Do it if you want to. But all that matters is a new creation. That would be the creation God does. You know, we read Isaiah. He's talking about, I'm going to make things new. Yeah, yeah, you, you didn't do any of that. That's the reality. That we live by faith or we live by law. We live by spirit or by flesh. We are free or we are enslaved. And contrary to certain Bible teachers, we are free. So says our apostle, based on our faith. And the message he brings to those who agree on justification by faith alone, that's the message. You say, okay, Dax, well, A, that's a lot. And B, I I, I get a little bit uncertain how this plays out. You've used a lot of words. So I want to take a few minutes right now and play it out with you a little bit. You know, we usually speak because this is just who I am. I, I love theology, so I'm, I tend to use theology words. I tend to, to, to talk in theological ways, and, and that's, a, that's one of my failings. I'm sorry. Sometimes it's hard to, like, connect to shoe leather stuff, to, like, how does this actually work out in your life? Because I'm talking up here in theology, and the wonder, and I get so excited, and I'm jumping up and down at jumping jacks, but, but you say, well, how does this work out, Dax? Because I don't think... Don't think you're not seen. What do I mean? I mean, we live in a body where there's all of us are struggling in so many ways. I see it. I, I, my heart hurts. I, I, I hope yours does too. For Oftentimes, it's, I'm looking in the mirror at the one who's struggling. An older couple facing bankruptcy. Grandparents who, whose kids won't then let them even see their grandkids. A spouse deeply hurt over a marital affair. Feeling guilty and ashamed because you failed again in what you know you should do, but you just haven't got there. You're mad at the crazy, 
unwise decisions being made by the government just fills you with frustration all the time. What can we do to fix this? What does it look like to deal with this stuff? Because there's disillusionment and divorce and depression and hopelessness and fear. There's guilt and separation and judging. There's pain and letdown for yourself and others. It's real life. And you say, how does this, how does this play out in real life, Dax? Because if you go down the common evangelical cultural line that you, you hear all over and in self-help books and all the stuff, I'll call it religion. There's actually no hope there. For most of us, really for any of us, because religion is law. It doesn't have an answer except try harder. Fix what is broken, right what is wrong, make things better. If we're operating outside of Paul's message, if we leave our message for a minute and say, hey, what's the common way people try and and, and live? It's sort of co-opt the spirit to work out and hope that God will help me work harder to get this fixed. Maybe if I get the right incantation, it'll work. It echoes every religion. I love this quote. It's not by me. It's by a famous celebrity. It's like, you know what? I've realized that that, that all religions kind of are karma, including a lot of Christianity. You, 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 you get out what you put in. Like, that's the thing, right? It's the heart of all these religions. It's, it's like what you put out comes back to you. If you do good, then good gets to come back. If you do bad, then bad. That, that's karma. But even to try and get it out of Galatians, you take one verse. Remember the one verse? You reap what you... I heard somebody say it. So, You reap what you sow. That's karma. Dude, you sow good, you'll get good. You sow bad, you'll get bad. And there's a cycle that you can get on of doing good so good and doing bad so bad. And, 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 and we'll call that, <laughs> just go ahead and call it Hinduism. No, no, it's Christianity. No, it's not. Paul doesn't go there. Did you see when we did it? He didn't say you reap what you sow, like if you do good, you'll... He said either you reap, either you sow to the flesh, trying to make yourself better, or you sow to the Spirit, trusting Jesus. They are not the same. God is not mocked. He says, this is your only hope. Not you getting better, but me. You trusting me. That's Paul's message. Paul says your relationship with God, your identity, your standing, is no longer about law-keeping at all. You will be new because He makes you new. That means you're not under the law. It couldn't be more clearly stated than He states it in Galatians. What? He states it in Galatians? Yeah! If you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I mean, it can't, you can't insert other words in there. Not under the penalty of the law. Not under the condemnation of the law. No, you're not under the law. We don't measure that. So your identity, your standing, your life isn't about law-keeping. It's not just the Ten Commandments. One guy I like, his name's Paul Zoll. He wrote a great book called Grace and Practice. And, and, and he's like, there's big L law and little L law. We're talking about how this works out. Big L law is like the Ten Commandments, the sort of formal, proper law. But really, little L law is all the messages all the time that are telling you you've got to do or you're not enough. 
right? Little o law, anything that makes us feel we're judged, accused, shows us we're not enough. You don't get it right. You mess up. There's no second chances. Make sure you make good investments. You don't mess up your kids or your work. Pressure, everywhere pressure to advance and improve. Not enough. Yeah, Jesus is awesome. Have you been circumcised? Yeah, Jesus is great. Now there's these things. How are you doing? Because really, if you are really God, you'll get these things done, you see. It's all law. All of it. Our society is soaked in it. We are soaked in it. Do more. Try harder. Climb higher. The stuff doesn't save us. It doesn't relieve us. It's not related to freedom. It is heavy and hard. It is the opposite of freedom. So, so, so your your kid comes to you. This is a hypothetical. My, it's not my kids, but I'm saying your kid comes to you. So imagine you have a child, and they've utterly failed, and they've crashed in his poor decision making. What do you want them to know? You really messed up. Yeah, okay, you think they don't know? <laughs> well, this is how you do it better next time. It's too late. They already did it. How about, kid, you're forgiven. Kid, you're loved and cared for by the king, and you know what? I love you too. Is your life this way? Is your life, oh, oh man, I messed up. I better hide from dad. He's going to get me. You reap what you sow, you know. Or is your life, I messed up. I've got to find my dad. Because he's for me. That's freedom, right? That he has you, not in order to advance you in some way that you've dreamed up. You don't even know how God's working. The desires and acts and works, everything, all his freedom is rest in him. We've come to know, this is the Bible, we've come to know and believe what? The love that God has for us. We trust that his love will not falter and he will create what he wants because he is God. He is not without power. Our life is grounded in this freedom that Christ has done it all. You are enough. It is acceptance now of the wonder that Christ has already died for you and it worked. That he has promised you will be a new creation and you will. That, that it will never be about how great you are and how much impact you will have that you can see, but he will use you and shape you in ways you'll never see until you get to heaven and it'll be fabulous. The spirit will have produced fruit in you. How do I know that? Because I know the vine that you're connected to. His name's Jesus. I know the vine dresser. He is a father and he adores you. He does. This is the message. This is the message. Those desires that he gives you may look like love and joy and peace that bear in your life. They may look like tears and dying with a smile. The Lord doesn't say you won't suffer. But I know the resurrection's coming. God's mission is not making us better in our flesh. This is Paul's division that he won't let you land on because we want to land there it is not new wine in old wineskins 
No, he declares us free, free from the requirements and commandments that are against us because they produce shame and guilt and pride they produce and despair they produce and judging and accounting and he'll have none of it for his kids. None of my life is up to me. Man, I could go now and look back at what my life has been. It is nothing like I would have done when I was a teenager. Who's got me? Not me. It is all grace, a gift of God in Christ. That includes my heart, my desires, my understanding. The grace takes my guilt and shame and removes it forever because I I receive forgiveness. Not because I've, I've gotten over it and I won't ever do that again. No, in fact, I fall down many ways and many times all the time. Oh, I'm so tired of this body of sin and death, me and Paul. End of chapter 7 of Romans. Who will save me? Thanks be to God, Jesus Christ my Lord. There's therefore now, you know this, no condemnation. What you got? Is that all? You think Jesus died is enough for you? I know the answer. Yes. Yes. Okay. I trust him, you know. <laughs> and, and, and I need your help to trust him. And you need my help to trust him. And we come together and we, we image that he died for us. And we, we, we speak forgiveness to each other in the name of Christ because he paid it all. And, and we have that together we, where we get this assurance. It's a, it's a settledness. It's a joy. It's, it's actually like, yeah, you know what? God really does have me. It's not he might have you if you get to point B. Oh, no. He's got you. That's called trust, faith, belief. And that's what we have. I'll tell you what. There's a huge pushback to this message of Paul's. This is the message. There's a big pushback. That's what I was talking about. If you say you're free, man, Here's the word. If you're, if you tell people they're free, and I tell you you're free, the laws for earthly stuff, man, you live by the laws of society. Law, society has its own piece on that that restrains your sin and but it pushes you to Jesus. But in Christ, you're free. There's a fear that people come out with. If you tell people that, they won't do good things. They won't actually say, well, well, if 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 I'm free not to, then I choose not to. Well, guess what? That was already your desire. If you need me to put a hammer and say, boy, you get over here, I'm going to hit you with a hammer, then it's not about you actually desiring to come over and say hi to me. It's about me having a hammer. You don't want to get hit. If I say, okay, there's no hammer. And you say, well, I don't really want to go then. Well, you never wanted to anyway. Do what's in you. There's a very famous Luther line, man, do what's in you because God gives you desires. You know what? They're desires for good things. You will have desires to do things. You will say, man, you know what I want to do? I want to help out in nursery. You know what I want to do? I want to, I want to, I want to be around the church. I want to say hi to somebody today. I, I'd like that. That'd be fun and I'm going to do it. Then you do it because you actually have the spirit moving you to do it. I, I want to, I want to serve coffee. <laughs> Great. You better serve coffee or I'm not just sure that you are saved. Whoa. That's giving you motive and desire that we no longer have, which is trying to live by the law. So the pushback is actually seeing the problem, but the problem is at the heart level. 
not the behavior level. So, so you know what that means, right? You know that you cannot receive Paul's message without trust, without the Spirit setting you free, because this is freedom. So we, we agree already that it is about faith for everybody. And really then if you miss this message, if you say, yeah, I agree with justification, Dax. I agree that I'm saved by faith alone. I believe that. But now I'm going to go back and do the law. Paul just says, you've fallen away from grace. You're, you're, you're setting yourself up for trouble. You're not living out of what you are. But you know what? It is still about Christ for you. It's okay. I just want our body, I want you to have joy and peace and assurance and freedom. So let's live in the reality of trust. Acceptance here. And I'm using acceptance, not surrender. Because surrender has this implication. Was God wants to bless you if you would just let go and let him. No, actually, you're accepting what he's already done. You're not like, oh, it's really up to you in some underhanded way. If you would just lay it down, then you would be better. No, just trust him. He actually does have you. And he has you, actually, whether you're trusting him well in this area or not. As long as your trust is in Jesus. You're not trusting in your works. But if you go back to it, it's an error. But guess what? He still has you, and that lets us be a people who are peaceful, joyful, and free. This is how to experience amazing life. Trust that he has and does and keeps us, no matter what it looks like, that though the night seems long, it is momentary. And and though we don't seem to be improving, we are actually producing exactly the fruit that he wants. How do I know that? Well, because you're such good people. No! Because we have a great God. Does he have you? Of course he does. He's my dad. I run to him. Then he's got you. And he'll produce in you what he wants. That's what Paul's saying. By the Spirit. Every failure, every wrong, every shame and guilt and sin swallowed up by victory. Forgiveness is real. Righteousness is given. We are new and it will be seen. Because he does it, we will be alive with Christ forever and with that paul writes this one last line the grace of our lord jesus christ be with your spirit brothers amen and he puts down his pen and he sends it off and he says will you receive this message that jesus has you now forever galatians Let's pray. Lord, thanks for what you've done in this message and in the Bible for us. Thank you that it is finished. Jesus, we we wish we understood the depth of your love for us. I do. I wish I understood it better. But I pray for this body and these people, Lord, that we might rest in the wonder that your Holy Spirit is at work. That though our lives aren't getting built up in ways we think they should go, you've got us. Lord, may we encourage each other in the message of the cross. May we help each other with your heart towards us being soft because you're amazing towards us, Lord. We confess our trust in your Son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.